battle outside raging We'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls For the times they are reaching It's a matter of time, I suppose Welcome to Watchmen Minute, where we take a look at the director's cut of Zack Snyder's Watchmen, one minute at a time. My name is Travis Bowe from the Real Comic Heroes podcast. I'm Eric Nash. And I'm George Hendricks from the Heidebed. And the Mogwai Minute. <laughs> nice. The Heidebed is not a podcast, although I probably could be. Coming soon. Heidebed yeah. Minute. Yeah. <laughs> Me dissecting my night's sleep one minute at a time. Couch surfing from various uh, Movies by Minutes podcasts. Yeah, that'd work. Yeah. yeah. It's like a travelogue slash uh, behind the scenes type thing. Exactly. So, Minute 15 starts with Rorschach finding more clues as to the owner of the apartment and ends with him looking at the photograph of the Minutemen. So, so yeah. uh, he knows that he, <laughs> that he is the comedian, right? <laughs> So I almost mentioned this in the last minute, but he's got to because... He's been in photos with them. He's been around him for ages, yet he is unveiling this stuff for us anyway, as if he is just making the connection. Well, and he's... So he's in this apartment of this total random New York citizen, but he's got two, you know, so far two photos or pieces of artwork of Silk Spectre, who... I'm sure Rorschach may not have met her, but he knows who she is. Obviously, he knows her daughter. Yeah. So I think at this point, he's definitely running it through his head. Like, why does this person have, you know, two instances of this other, you know, hero? So, yeah, I have to think that he, the way he is going at this room and he's very determined and it's performed a little too much as if he is expecting to find something. But I mean, he does say a comedian died in New York tonight. And then he also finds the pin, which he wore all the time. So I feel like from yeah, a detective yeah. perspective, he knows, I, I just feel like maybe he didn't realize that's who died at first, but once he got into the apartment, he realized, Oh, okay. And then he, this is more like of an unveiling of his secrets rather than like, figuring out who yeah. he is. But you're talking about when he says the comedian died in New York tonight, you're talking about the the journal. Now, the journal could have been written after he got home, I think. True, but also, but he does find his you pen, know? and that's a pretty iconic thing. Like, he wears it throughout yeah. everything. And well, that's, that's definitely the first clue. I think that's probably what's kind of spurs on, well, let's look into this a little bit more. It's not just a typical I thing. mean, if, if stylistically, this the, and this is also very typical of, of, of Snyder production. Stylistically, it's really eye-catching and visually. But storytelling... This whole opening bit is fun, but it's also the the motivation doesn't really seem to be there. You know, it's like, why are you investigating the random murder? You're not a masked vigilante anymore. You're just this guy who is out to, like, do his own thing. But it doesn't seem like this would catch your eye if the city is as bad as you say it is. It's just another person got thrown out of a window. Big deal. So he has to have some idea. And now he's kind of figuring out why it happened rather than who it happened to. Yeah. But you did say something uh, a second ago that um, I hadn't really considered, but he does find the button, yeah. and that probably would have been enough to – that's enough of a hunch or it's enough of a it, – it's a big enough carrot dangling in front of him to uh, grapple up into the – you know this room and then 
I guess then he does see the uh, the images of Silk Spectre. So yeah, I think it, it's dawning on him very quickly. It's played as if he's he's like I I think it's played as if he knows what he's about to find. Yeah, that kind of thing. It's more like he's just foregone conclusions at this point. He's like, okay, I have to vote. Yep, that that's it. That's that's the button. Checks out. Yep, yep. that's it. I think how high up though it is. I think that should that should be something that's coming into play in his mind. I mean, he mm. he, he grapples correctly to the thirty thirtieth floor up. You know, he goes, okay, well, this isn't you know. The, I mean, it's it's near the penthouse. I well, that's another that. thing I didn't even think about. Like, how how good of a shot do you have to be to hit the thirtieth floor <laughs> from the ground with a grappling hook in the dark at that angle? At, it's a, it's almost a straight down angle. Yeah. <laughs> And hit like the X of the, right, the yeah. police, police tape. Do it, not just make it happen, but do it with panache. Mm-hmm. Heighten reality, folks. Rorschach is so cool. Yeah, he's looking at this photo of com- of the comedian having just taken down a criminal, and it turns out from looking at the the freeze frame, <laughs> this is the Italian shadow. Oh, it's the criminal, and uh, and and there's some broken. It's, it's I, I never got a straight full take on it but the comedian brings another blank very definite conclusion blank italian shadow was brought blank with the comedian wednesday then a fight quite a comedian quite a fight comedian says he quite something something remembered come to his injuries yeah sustain yeah but but nonetheless then the other crazy thing about that is is that that's all that's that's at the top that I was typing in first and then it's yeah. all repeated like five times oh is it to create the body of text. also I mean uh, look at the photo it's like it's supposed to be this big brutal battle that like he ended up like succumbing to his injuries but it just looks like some dude got knocked in the head outside of a screen door <laughs> it looks like this is in rural Alabama yeah hmm. actually like viewing it this time for kind of preparing for this it, it only just occurred to me that you know Blake works for the government and that obviously this entire closet setup would have probably been provided to him via the government I think in the past it, I just assumed like like so many other costumed crime fighters that they kind of set up their own layer and unless you're Bruce Wayne it's like how do you afford these elaborate you know hideouts and gadgets like this and and then like i said watching it for this i was like oh he's got this closet because the government probably would have set him up with this this apartment and would have outfitted him with this closet unit so that when he needs to do the government work that he's got everything he needs right there with him. the better question is how when he gets dressed does he get out of the building without (laughs) everyone knowing like oh comedian lives here hey buddy well hmm I was going to say he probably goes to the elevator down to like a private, you know, garage, but the elevator's probably the end of the hall. So. Or maybe they send a helicopter, you know, they that just chopper him out, they pop yeah. him in there, you know, it's like, he just takes like three floors up and he's just waiting there smoking yeah. a cigar. So at this hmm. point, do you think he is some sort of like enforcer for the government or is he just like a, just a basic hitman? Like he just takes people out. He's a hitman for sure. Based on what we've seen so far, um... And names he drops later on. Um, but also at the same time, he is pretty ostentatious for a hitman. That's not exactly like blend-in garb. Sure. But he's not, he's not necessarily only working in the shadows, you know. Sometimes he is, but... He's more like state, statement time, killings. 
Kind of, yeah. He's like, like a boogeyman. He's a, like, be calm. Instead yeah. of nuclear weapons, we're going to send the we're going to send the comedian to come get you. Well, he's he's a government sanctioned, you know, boogeyman. Yeah. So yeah, he doesn't have to be completely incognito or. But that that would be a cool job if you could get that work. <laughs> like, hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, government sanctioned boogeyman. You know, hmm. the pay is pretty good, but the hours are crazy. Um, once he, once, you know, Rorschach opens this closet up, it's like, it is input overload as far as what we're shown. Yeah. Bunch of weapons. Um, uh, yeah. All manner of weapons. We've got like shotguns, grenade launchers, handguns, rifles. Um, I was tempted to, to use like the internet movie firearms database to go through. Um, but there's, there's too many weapons here to list. So, um, the only one that I specifically want to mention is his uh, is Blake's 1911, one of his uh, revolver, handguns. Revolver? No, it's it's the uh, the silver ah. um, gun with the smiley face on the grip. That's the uh, the 1911. It's uh, so I'm curious if this is the same gun that he had on the coffee table. Does it, well, two? Yes, yeah, two of them. Right. Or yeah, does he have a pair? I feel like they might be like two, yeah, like hip holster shooters. He, you know, he's like a, yeah. he's like a cowboy in a way. He's always armed to be at bear. Well, I have one when you can have two. Sure. Um, at first, I believed it to be the same weapon that was then put here, um, basically to conceal it once the once uh, Eddie was dispatched. Because I I don't know if the intruder once the identity of, of who this is to be revealed, that kind of thing. Um, as you, as the scene kind of progresses and I think it's like at second 51, you get a good shot of kind of the entire closet unit. And it does look like there's a little area identical to this gun and, um, kind of the perfectly fitted, um, section that it's in. There's another one of those on the I guess right side of the screen, left side of the costume, that would fit that same. It's like an inverted, flipped, you know, symmetrical. So it would fit an identical gun. So maybe the the other gun is you know part of the crime scene, and it's presumably still in the living room somewhere, or tagged as evidence, I guess. But yeah, probably. Um, so yeah, I guess I went into it assuming it was the same gun. I've always assumed it was the although, same. Although, although. If he doesn't want him to know who he is, and that's obviously a very iconic weapon because it does have the smiley face on it, it I, I'm leaning now more towards it could have been like replaced by the attacker. You know, they're like, oh, well, because he's, because whoever he is knows enough about him to know probably where his secret, like, layer is. And that's what I is, assumed yeah. as well. Yeah, I assume that, that that's why this would be the same gun, but yeah, it's hard to, hard to know. Um, but there is seemingly there is that missing gun now from that uh, that symmetrical gun holder area. Well, I I have to think that the attacker meant for this to become public knowledge. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you know, knowing what we know <laughs> no. about the rest, uh, you know, it's just it's just you know he should have been able to do it, kill Eddie in a way. That uh, would have been a little bit quieter, and not through a window thirty floors high. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, aside from weapons, though, we've got the other items, um, like mostly newspaper clippings, a little bit like you guys were were 
talking about, but then there's the other ones. Um, one says big, big tagline or headline says murderous rampage averted. Um, under that says, or a little bit under that, there's a, another article saying leaders ready to ready for talks. Um, I'm not sure what that's alluding to, but uh, um, another one says comedian gets last laugh on Moloch from uh, the Boston Globe. And interesting uh, part about this newspaper to me, um, just under that, it says the Chicago 7 acquitted. And that is from a real trial that took place in um, uh, just after the 1968 Democratic National Convention. So it was like there were seven defendants uh, charged by the federal government, government with conspiracy, inciting to riot, and other charges related to anti-Vietnam War and countercultural protests that took place in Chicago. So basically a bunch of hippies getting together and, uh, you know, protesting the war and... Do you think it's saying that he had a hand in getting them off since he had a framed poster of it? Like he took out somebody who was a key well, witness or... It, no, I think it's because it's on the same paper that this uh, comedian gets the last laugh on Moloch. You know, it's so... It's just giving it a contextual like like time and place. Yeah, it's kind of like we were talking about earlier with uh, the real events, the real timeline from our, you know, real timeline that are kind of surrounding this whole story so um but i was surprised because for the most part the newspapers we see throughout the entire book and movie are from the new york gazette i want to say which is kind of a made-up newspaper um but this is one that actually exists this is the boston globe it's you know it's obviously a real newspaper so i was very surprised to see that it wasn't from you know the created for the story uh new york gazette so. i also think it's kind of funny a little bit of commentary that it's the headline whereas the chicago seven acquitted is like you know secondary story is like oh yeah by the yeah. way the civil rights thing sort of like went down and it's a good thing and he's like mm -hmm. oh yeah by the way but it's not nearly as important as this masked vigilante taking out this guy wearing a turban yeah mm, yeah yeah criminal mastermind brought to justice in dramatic showdown is what it says just under the headline I also noticed one of the papers, actually from the same paper, but uh, once it's zoomed out, you get a little glimpse of it. It says, um, it's it's weird because it has a photo of the modern, I guess, modern Watchmen lineup, but it's not the same photo. It's slightly, people are, are in different positions and it looks like it was just a completely different photo. Um, but it says underneath it, or maybe right above it, it says the new Watchmen. So... It's a little hard to, to make it out clearly, but you can kind of tell that there's one guy that's brighter than everybody else. And, of course, it's black and white, so you can't get a clear sense of who everyone is. But you can kind of make out which one of them is Silk Spectre and which one, obviously, then is Dr. Manhattan. And But it's it's different. Yeah. And then you've got well, you've got the, uh, the, the old photo up in the upper right-hand corner in that shot. Yeah, and yeah. It's sort of, of like course. a weird bridging of the two, like, you know, past, yeah. you know, past to present. And like the the crazy militaristic, you know, Punisher slash Captain America garb he's got <laughs> going on there, which I always like. I always like the way that the comedian was sort of like this Punisher takeoff. Like he like didn't start sure. out that way, but he wound up. And I like how a lot of the characters are are aspects of other superheroes. Like it's almost like Rorschach and the Owl are just like Batman, just split mm -hmm. into two. Like take his alternate, yeah his personalities and like his weird manic obsessive side and then his technical prowess and then like just pull them apart and there you go you have two characters 
Yeah. Uh, though I guess it was uh, Blue Beetle that he was more modeled after. Um, no, Blue Beetle was for Night Owl. Um, yeah. That, that's yeah. what I was just going getting to for Comedian is um, is um, the character was called the Peacemaker. And that was mixed with elements of the Marvel comics of Nick Fury. So, for some reason, it kind of bugs me because now that I've done enough research and, and I've got the timeline more in my head and knowing how like how young Eddie Blake is supposed to be back in the original Minutemen lineup. Like In the book, I think they say he's like 16 years old. Like He's definitely the youngest member of the team. Um, he's basically just a kid. Like so, seeing you know Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing the younger, much younger version of Eddie Blake, it's it's kind of I kind of wonder if they should have cast a young Eddie Blake to play the the flashback versions or the the much younger version, kind of like they did with uh, Night Owl. Well, but you also have to keep in mind that this is like you know these are this heightened reality but also economy of story and sure. i feel like it, night owl's got the costume to, to, to differentiate who he is but eddie blake is sort of like he's he doesn't he only has like the little diamond shaped mask he doesn't have much more than that so to stick to stick someone else in that spot i think might have just muddied the waters a little bit so keeping it as a through line of like this guy is there and also since he dies in the first beginning of the movie the majority of his um like you know like story arc like in this first bit is like told through those flashbacks. So I think moving somebody else in that would have lessened that as well. And I, I think Jeffrey D. Morgan at that time was, was the really for, at least for him, I think even was at least the perfect age. I mean, he, he was he able to go the older for, yeah, you know, when, when he dies here, yeah. but he was also able to pull off the, for like the, the heydey flashbacks mm-hmm. of like, you know, if it, if it were Jeffrey D. Morgan today, he wouldn't be able to, pull not off so much. They'd yeah. have to do the uh, Space Cowboys and, and <laughs> Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah, that's a good know. point, yeah. Um, yeah, um, I don't have much else, but I definitely want to say how, how awesome that kind of the body armor and suit and all that stuff of, of uh, Blake's is, how just perfectly rendered it looks. Um, you know, it looks like, I, I guess it's part of this movie, that the costumes that as they're just hanging on, you know, uh, not a mannequin, but when they're just hanging here in uh, the closets or whatever, how how much better they look than any, I guess, other superhero movies, unless we're talking about like a Iron Man suit that kind of stands there by itself. But, you know, here just somehow the Batman, the bat suits never look as good when they're sitting empty, like waiting to be put on as this one does or later on the uh, the Night Owl suit looks like. I don't know why that is. These these just look so much better when they're just sitting there, you know, as a still still life. Maybe it's all lighting. Uh, it might be just just lighting and uh, yeah the uh, the way they're framed and all that. So well, that Eddie Blake and his government help really got the job done as far mm, as yeah. aesthetically yeah, it's like yeah. showcasing i wonder i wonder if he like had a lot of input in how this thing was looking or like he's like no nah, i want more like <laughs> well kind of like a pegboard thing but with like these bits yeah. over it and i want like shapes but not symmetrical i want like yeah, yeah. like hard lines yeah that'd be cool <laughs> i want a blue shoulder with a star on it and then i want a red one with 
Yeah, I'm just talking about like the closet itself, but like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. actual like. So yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I need some America on here. And he's probably like mm-hmm. almost like a NASCAR driver in the fact that he's like yeah. festooned with his sponsor. Mm. Um. So uh, and and Rorschach, uh, you were talking about that uh, the Minutemen photo. Um. So Rorschach uh, looks up at it, starts walk walking towards it, grabs it even before this minute ends. Looks at it just a little, you know, gets it in his hand, looks at it, and says, "Tonight." Mm. And what else does he say? We'll maybe, find out. maybe he's a fan of the Smashing he's Pumpkins, done. and he's about to start yeah. singing tonight, tonight. Or a fan of Johnny Carson. Yeah, that could be. I guess uh, we'll just have to come back. We'll have to come back on Monday to talk about what uh, what comes next. Um, you guys got anything else for for this minute or? Any overall thoughts from from the week? You you guys were talking about the uh, some of the other pieces of art. There is that one last piece of art that's on the uh, right side of the closet. Oh yeah, that's that that to me. I I I just feel like I've seen that elsewhere. Oh yeah, that that eighty yes. woman in the flash in dance, posterized, yeah. posterized, uh, <laughs> yeah, red, white, black. Yeah. Um, also, there was a another framed photo that was in the in the room. We were kind of zoomed out, looking at Rorschach in front of the closet. That was of Lori, uh, Sally's daughter, mm-hmm. and I can't tell if she because it looks like she has a blue shoulder. So I can't tell if she's wearing something blue or if that's like Doctor Manhattan's hand. I just always assume that it's his hand on her shoulder. Glowing blue, obviously, but maybe just in and how I was watching it, it wasn't enough to enough detail to really get a good sense of what the blue item was. So now I will have to point this out. I just had to go back and verify the flashlight is is not where it, he initially laid it. Okay, it's pointing at the dresser when he first sets it down because you can see it yeah. sort of like side lighting everything. But then, and actually the next time you see the flashlight, it's pointing like at him from the closet, like yeah. towards the closet and then, and it's pointing into the closet, which is really just photographically gives us a nice, like leading line visual V into the light of the closet. Cause it's not doing any good where it's pointing, but it's just funny that he set it down in one way and now it's not that way. Hmm. Sorry if I just ruined the movie for you. I, I do. Yeah. I, I do well, that. Was, it was yeah. there a deleted scene where he where it showed him moving? <laughs> yeah, it says in script or not scene. It's like pick up flashlight, move it ninety degrees. Works much better. Well, that that is the only uh, that was only the biggest thing missing from the book to this uh, in my mind for the closet is is uh, him actually measuring the closet. Oh inside yeah, realizing it's yeah. it's not to as deep as there's yeah. something hidden. Yeah. That always happens in yeah. books, but never happens in movies because it's one of those things that you can explain in like a paragraph, but like visually, it's very hard to convey that you're having the realization. Like unless you're like, oh wow, this this room is five feet shorter than the other room. Yeah, what is up with that? And it's one. It's weird. Like in the book, I get less of a sense that he knows what he's you know about to find. I think the the movie here does a much better job of conveying what what I think is going on through uh, in Rorschach's mind as far as, as far as what he's expecting to find. But yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I think in the book he truly does stumble upon everything kind of. Um, but here I definitely feel like he's got a sense of it being the comedian and everything. Sense of direction. Yeah. He's, he's, he's more confirming yeah. what he already knows than, than, than some great or big reveal, but not like we could tell cause he's wearing the mask anyway. 
<laughs> All right. Does anybody got anything else? No, I'm tapped out. Nope. Okay. I'm going to jump into, uh, yeah, some of the uh, script-to-screen differences. Um, so let's see. I'll, I'll jump back to basically the beginning of the week. Um, kind of last week we would have been, well, last week there wouldn't have been anything in the script as far as uh, the opening credits go. So the script would have picked up basically around the time that the pin is being washed away from the sidewalk. Um, and back to what, uh, Eric, you were talking about earlier on about the um, shopkeeper that's hosing off the street and whether that would have been something that actually would have happened. I think that was you, Eric, or was that you, oh, George? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, there is a cop that comes in, in the script. There's a cop that comes running up to the shopkeeper and you know informs him hey this is a crime scene shopkeeper says you know it's been over four hours and i've got a business to run so they argue about that and then um someone comes to pick up the pin we're in this person's pov and he studies the pin for a moment before pocketing it so we're kind of in someone's actual pov which i don't think we get any of that anywhere in the movie no, I, I think um, I think solid POV is kind of cheesy unless it's. Yeah, I'm not a yeah. fan of it. Holding the button, yes, I believe later holding. Well, the it's button. not a direct POV. I thought it was like more like an over yeah, the shoulder, like he's. It's yeah. more like a three quarter. Hmm. Um, I'll pay see. attention to that from now on. Okay. Yeah. Rest of the movie. Yeah, um, there's a bit of an exchange between the news vendor and um, a customer, and then a homeless man. Um, the, let's see, one other difference, Detective Fine, when they're talking about Edward Blake, they mentioned that he's got a, they find an ID badge, says United Nations on it, and it reads Special Advisor to the United States. And then, basically, after the detective bit, we go back into someone's POV, and that's when we start getting Rorschach's uh, voiceover, um, he doesn't say in the script, he doesn't say 1985, but he does follow that up with, uh, earlier today I came across what appeared to be a suicide. It was later learned to be a homicide. Someone's time was up. So a little bit different uh, voiceover dialogue there. So with him not saying 1985, I think I, think I read somewhere that uh you know they, they kind of were playing around with the idea of not having it be set then that they were having it be set in when they're writing that script and so that would have been maybe like late 90s early 2000s okay Roughly. i guess i could see that um yeah. obviously the nixon stuff would have had to have been yeah you know probably reworked a little bit but uh but just just make it more terms <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> his ninth term um yeah um, Rorschach continues, I discovered a clue, something I, something I recognized, and suddenly, unexpectedly, I heard my own clock ticking. So. It's a biological a clock. Of, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Rorschach like, yeah, I don't know. Really want to settle down, meet nice girl. <laughs> make, make a few ink blots. Yeah, <laughs> a few ink blots of my own. Um, and then the other big difference from when he's in the apartment, he notices, and this kind of goes back to, I think, our first week when Blake goes for the gun. He doesn't pull it off the coffee table. He goes and pulls it out of a speaker like this. He pulls the speaker cover aside and gets the gun there. 
Um, so here Rorschach notices the speaker by the TV notices one of the speaker covers is ever so slightly askew. Um, then he pulls the speaker cover off and discovers that the speaker was hollow. And it says the intruder clearly took Blake's gun and put the cover back on when he left. And then it says, why? Question mark. So I guess that's lets us know that Rorschach is curious as to why the gun would have been missing, but Rorschach wouldn't have known that there was a gun there. So I don't, maybe that's more bit line is more for us that um, we're meant to question why the gun is missing. So, so yeah, those kind of the big differences. Um, basically the rest of it uh, plays out the same. He finds the secret compartment, finds all the weapons and everything. And then the framed, uh, photos and newspaper clippings and all that so that's basically where we'll end it that's okay, all i've so. got for that <laughs> so yeah um so george thank you for being our guest all week yeah thanks for having me thank you it was a hoot yeah. cool um any last plugs you want to get in before uh before we turn you loose no mogwai minute the mogwai minute <laughs> anywhere right anywhere yeah just a Mogwai Minute. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) They will really appreciate that. Oh, good, good. Can can I ask, is is there there talk of Gremlins 2? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're doing the sequel um, next year. That that is in plans. We'll probably start dropping around the time this one starts dropping, or maybe roughly in that area. Yeah. I look forward to that. Yes. Um, I should also mention, uh, or remind people to visit moviesbyminutes.com. Check out some of the other movies by minutes podcasts, especially Star Wars Minute, which uh, started this whole crazy mess. Oh, the maker. So, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, you can visit our webpage over at realpodcastnetwork.com slash watchman minute. And uh, I think that's all I've got. Eric, you got anything for the end of the week? Uh, end of the week, um, you know, just something I've heard uh, some re- re- recently listening to some other podcasts, and and I'll just throw out, uh, you know, uh, what we're what three weeks in, um, but I, I do have I do have a uh, a handle on on the various uh, social media sites, so I guess I, I might just start plugging that in once in a week, once sure. a week or so. Uh, Lucky Mustard is where you can find me if you're <laughs> interested in contacting me more directly at uh, your various. Uh, Social networking sites. Oh, yeah. If you want to just follow me on Twitter, yeah. I'm at underscore G. I'll be G, at G underscore fourth F O U R T H. So I mean, d- oh. yeah, I talk about all sorts of cool. things on there, or don't, you know, whatever. Cool. And why not? You can follow me uh, on Twitter at that Travis Bow. All right. It's been a good week, gentlemen. Yeah. Thanks a lot, yeah, George. Thanks for having me. It was great. It's a good time. So I guess we'll be back uh, next week with minutes sixteen through twenty. But until then, who watches The Watchmen? We We do. do. One minute minute at a time. time. (laughs) I guess it'd be one minute at a time. Watchmen are over. Changing. Mothers and fathers throughout.